Welcome to the Get It Done Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Ryan. Today we are interviewing Casey Knowles. Let's get it done. Our The Get It Done Podcast is sponsored by Team Get It Done. And today we're interviewing Casey Knowles. He is a producing branch manager for Ticket Mortgage. Uh, he is the star of Relo Elo, a up and coming show that I'm just super pumped about. I can't wait for the next episode. And uh, but here I know him also as a proud father of four, and um, and a husband as well. Uh, Casey, welcome to the Get It Done podcast. Hey, I appreciate you having me, Jimmy. For sure, brother. And hey, I'm I'm really pumped to interview you. We were talking a little bit before we hit record that. Um, you know, some of the things that you do really well, and I think that Nick does, Nick Carpenter does as well as agent attraction. A lot of times in our industry, we're, you know, so focused on, you know, calling 40 realtors on a Monday type of a thing. And look, there's some value to that. And, and I'm not knocking people that do do that. I don't, I don't think that that's wrong. Don't get me in a different way. But the way you guys go about it is really something that's quite different. And on the show, Relo LO, the concept is, is that you're basically going to a brand new market and you have 90 days to close $2 million. And I think that's so cool. Like I'm just, I'm a fan. I'm a fan just simply because of that. And then, you know, the, the, the intro, the little, little teasers with, uh, with you being like, okay, there's three people in this room, what's going to happen. And, um, anyway, brother, like, uh, I'd want you to speak a little bit to that. What, um, what's it been like to be the star of a show? Oh, well, certainly interesting. Um, you know, the camera time for me has never been a thing. So just to back up on as far as doing that, when I came to Colorado, I'd already been doing loans for 16, 17 years. And I tried really hard to get business going here. And I'm, I'm a pretty hard worker. And, and when I came here, I was having absolutely zero success. And so I, you know, Nick is just a master of retargeting and, and, you know, the attraction thing that you spoke about, he does it, you know, for his up for himself. And so I was attracted to him and his marketing. Um, I, you know, I threw caution to the wind. I actually sold my truck to, you know, to pay for like an upper level of the Legion and left ourselves with one family vehicle. And I just, I called him, I said, man, I'm going to, I'm going to throw some cash at this. Like you better be legit. And, um, in my first year, I did really, really well. My first 12 months after joining, um, you know, Scotsman's Guide Plus. And so that was that was pretty fantastic. And I just like really appreciated the fact that he gave me away. He just said, look, if you do this, it'll work. And that's only happened a few times in my life where somebody actually has something for sale. And if you complete it, it's like a guaranteed thing. And so wanting to do that again you know obviously we're wanting to build a company and help other people the idea was hey look you know let's do it again but we'll do it under camera so you know so everybody so it's it's um transparent you know like like watch and do it and so that's kind of how that it wasn't the fact that i ever wanted to be on a tv show but i was willing to do it to support him and and to because he helped me out i mean i was living behind walmart and it was a kind of a rags to riches kind of story and you know myself and a couple other people we did 100 million in our first year as a company which pretty solid and i i just owed it all to his um the agent attraction thing and uh so we just we did it we like shot a tv show tried 90 days and and used the exact same thing but we tweaked it and now that the show's over we probably tweak it a little bit again so it's it's been a, a learning curve and pretty awesome so many places i can go with that i'm I, i'm <laughs> Casey, I just, I loved all of that. So I want to go back to where you were talking about Lolo, Legion of Loan Officers. Um, it, it, you're mentioning throwing some money at it. I'm, I'm assuming that's the cabal. Um, yep. and, and and for those that don't know, that's uh, Nick, Nick Carpenter's, really it's the inner circle. It's the, it, it's the upper level of Legion. And um, you, you'd mentioned that like, look, twice in my life, I've been, I bought into something where it actually worked out. I think that a lot of us as loan officers, as real estate agents, financial planners, insurance agents, that type of field, we a lot of times have this AAA personality where we think anything's possible and therefore we're very easily sold into things. Um, for instance, <laughs> I'll just use myself as an example. I bought one of those 
uh, real estate get rich quick things where like, you know, you, you all of a sudden you're just going to make all these millions of dollars, but then you buy the program and you realize this is actually hard work. This isn't like, and, it, and you have to get lucky to do it. But in your case, I want to speak to this a little bit because this kind of perked my ears is that like, look, I sold my truck to do this. You better be legit. Like I'm going to work my ass off. Don't get me wrong, but like this better work. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm bet my whole life on it that this is going to work. This is going to work. Go to that for just a second, that, 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 that piece to it. And then what, I, I, I guess, how'd you feel with that? How, how like, how, I, I mean, that's literally, you're putting it all on the line. What'd yeah. that feel like? And, and, and I guess talk about that, that first couple steps. Well, I had a knee replacement and I didn't necessarily need my truck at the moment. And I really needed to do well. And I drove to CarMax and I was sitting in the parking lot at CarMax. There's chain link fence right in front of me and the, the main doors to the main office. Um, and I was sitting there with my truck running. And I just, I, I swear, I sat there for like five minutes and uh, I didn't tell my wife yet. <laughs> and uh, Nick had told me what the cost was. And, you know, my, my truck was kind of like the only thing I had left without, you know, I didn't have any cash. So I sat there and I was getting ready to go in and I thought, I'm, I'm going to call him one more time because <laughs> if this guy skates on me and I don't have any wheels, I'm going to be super pissed. <laughs> so I called him on the phone and he's like, man, if you do the work, like it'll work. And uh, I'm like, all right. And I'm like you, like, you know, there's, I'm a, I'm a pretty positive thinking guy. And so when he said it's going to work, I put faith in it and, and thank God, you know, he was, he was legit. And so I, Walked in there. I handed my keys over. I got maybe four thousand dollars more than what my truck or what the cost of the uh, cabal was, and um, I wired it to him. I think as soon as the check cleared, I, I sent a wire to him. And and uh, when I left CarMax, I called my wife to see if she come pick me up, <laughs> and that's that's how that went. And uh, I had my knee replacement, and and I ended up going to Vegas about maybe it was like I don't know. 10 days or eight days after knee replacement. Um, I was told not to fly because, you know, I, I could get a um, blood clot, which I did. <laughs> but I went to Vegas and I went to one of Nick's events because I mean, I just paid for this thing. And he said, if I do the thing, it'll work. And part of it was getting involved in going. And so I, I had a wheelchair and got to the airport, got on a plane, got a, got a wheelchair at the uh, hotel and um, did did uh, one of the events there, and came back and and just kept going. And uh, the next the next year was was a was a you know I did fifty to fifty three million dollars the next twelve months without knowing anybody. Which I is, mean, which is pretty cool. I mean, brother, that's like that's just such an epic story. We could like end the podcast right now and just. <laughs> Like, hey, go join the Legion of Loan Officers. No, but that, but that really is. That's that's such an inspiration because I think that a lot of people will get to the point where they might want to sell their car. And I mean, lucky Nick answered the phone because maybe you might not what might not have sold it. But, yeah. but at the same time, I think that, I mean, take Nick answering the phone or not out of it. I think that a lot of times we have to take that leap of faith. And and sometimes it's not going to work out. But um, but it's not like it was easy either. I mean, you had to you had to do the work. And go ahead. Uh, I, I was just going to say, I always compare it to, to lifting weights. You know, somebody can tell you what to do and you can do the steps. Like I could go to the gym and I could lay on the bench press and I could push some weight around and go to the next thing and push some weight around. Or you can go to the gym and do the exact same thing with some heart. Right. And if you join the Legion and you just do the thing, but you don't do it with any resolve, it's not going to work. I mean, you got to go and you have to sweat. You know, it's like you see people that clean a gun and then you see a guy in the military cleaning his, his firearm. You know, it's the white glove thing. And there, there's there's a way to do things and then there's a way to do them right or to do them completely. And I, you know, at that time I had I had to win. And so I did do it as completely as I could and I did it with effort. And so, you know, Nick can hand you the plan and, you know, you have you have skills and you have tactics and then you know, your skills is how well you sell and connect with people. And you got the tactics, the thing you do, and then you got the effort, in my opinion, those are the three things. So you can control the effort and you can find the tactics, you know, if you can find the tactics and then the only thing that's really missing is your skill level, in my opinion. And so 
I had the skills at that point to connect with people. If I had the right tactics, Nick gave me the right tactics and I had the effort and it, it worked out. So I'm getting way ahead of myself with this. Um, generally, I like to go back to your, your come up story. And actually, you know what? No, I, I do. I want to dig deeper in this while we're on it. So do you think that you putting your whole life on the line, selling the only asset you had left, like you said it, you've said it actually two different ways, two different times that like, look, I needed to make this work. Do you think if you didn't, you would have made it? I believe, I believe you should pay for stuff a hundred percent. Cause, cause the truth is, you, you know, you can go on YouTube and you can, you can learn anything, but if you don't pay for stuff that, you know, I will pay as much money as I have for things. Now, the more I pay, the better it is. Because if I'm really gaining some knowledge or experience, it's worth more than a few thousand bucks. Um, and that money, you know, that money is, you know, they say skin in the game or whatever, but that, that money is, you know, that's, that's like, that's, that's your commitment. You know, that's your contribution to figure something out. And it's like a relationship. If I get something for free, there's not much of a relationship there, but if I go deep in my pocket for something, it's like, it's like a marriage, you know, you are sacrificing something for that. And so you hold it with more value. And I wouldn't want a good coach and not pay that person. If a coach, if I was going to learn one thing from a coach and it was $10,000, which I've done before, it's worth it because all it takes is doing one thing to make a huge, huge gain. Uh, brother, I love that. I mean, that's just, that's just pure fire. I think that a lot of times we, we try to discount this, but I mean, you're going to get what you put in. And I think that like we were mentioning Amplify before, it's $6,000 to go, but what's the, you and I both know what kind of value do you get out of that? I mean, it's like, I mean, it's, it, 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 it's worth 10 times as much. Like you could, you couldn't argue that. I mean, it's just like, it really is worth that. And, um, and that's cool because I, I think that sometimes people get into situations where they do pay money and maybe they didn't put in all the effort and then they bad talk the, the, the coach or whatever it was, but literally, I mean, you, someone giving you a roadmap and going to give you the time to, to, you know, show it to you. If you're not going to put in the effort on the same end, I, I don't know. I think you're right. I think it's better to pay that amount of money, pay the 10,000. Yeah. It, it, what's even better. You mentioned Rene Rodriguez. First of all, he has a natural skill set that I've never seen anybody else have. And so I've been to Amplify. I paid the money and it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Um, it's one of the only places I've gone to, to where, you know, most of the time, if you go to these events, you have two kinds of value. You have the information you get, and then you have the people that you meet. But the information that you get, you rarely act on it because your behavior isn't necessarily changed to where, or your belief system, to where you can take that information and really expand on it. And so what was cool with Renee um, going to, to Amplify was after I paid the money and had some changes, since you pay the money, you can go back and you can watch his YouTube videos. And you, can, you have a greater appreciation for the free content too. It's not just the content you pay for, but at that point, the other stuff is more valuable as well. And I don't think you can watch one of Renee's YouTube videos about paying and really understand what a gift it is. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it can be life changing, you know, hundred percent. He has a talent that is just unlike anyone I've ever, ever seen. So, all right, we've done it. This has been like probably the longest intro I think I've ever had on the show, <laughs> but, um, but, but there's just, there's so much I want to get into like right up front. It's just like, these are, these are big things and, and we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more. Uh, in a minute, but uh, the Get it Done podcast is really all about the come up story. Uh, we use Elon Musk as an example. He has a story from going from a million to a billion, and that's a great story. But what we're really looking at and focusing on is the zero to a million story, the come up story. And hearing what I've already heard from you, I'm just, I'm really pumped for this. So, uh, best place to start, Casey, is where were you born? Um, what was your, uh, what did your parents do? What were your parents like? What were the first few years of your life like? I was born in Oakdale, California on a cattle ranch. Um, my dad, mom on the ranch, they raised um, registered beef cattle, Angus and Brangus. And so my life, uh, you know, the, we got the mail four miles away from our house. It was pretty remote. That was our nearest neighbor as well. And so my life growing up was with my dad. I followed him around and, you know, kept his neck nice and cool in the summer when I was wearing diapers and, and, uh, he was the hardest working individual I've, I've ever known. And so 
that was my role model. And, and he did a lot of things that kind of shaped, I think, my work ethic. He would, as I've said before, he would uh, drop me off somewhere and, you know, he would let me fail. He would let me work. Um, it was uh, an interesting childhood. And so uh, it was in a little ag town. And, you know, again, I didn't have any neighbors or kids or anything to play with. And so my life for me was just pretty much hanging out with my dad. Uh, my mom stayed home. She had the garden to care of the house, made my clothes. We didn't, there was no money growing up. It was all pretty much environment. And so we didn't really need any money either. So, you know, my childhood was fishing and catching frogs and snakes and, um, and just stuff like that, just being a kid. So that was, uh, that's, that was in central California. I love that. So an egg town, agricultural town, your mom just made things for you. So like, (laughs) yeah, like my shirts and stuff like that. And, you know, stuff out of the garden, beef off the ranch. We went to town maybe like once every week or 10 days kind of thing. So, wow. I mean, like truly you're like, you're, you're basically living a life off the grid. I think that a lot of people <laughs> like, and you're talking about it very highly. I think that a lot of people might, might think that's a negative, but man, I, I, I think there's a lot of people who just love that. Just being It was out. a great childhood. Yeah, that's really cool. And, uh, you know, I've watched a little bit about, I think you even have this in the first episode of Real OLO where your dad would just drop you off and say, all right, we're building a fence today. Dig this hole. And then you'd like struggle, you know, to, to, to do it and speak a little bit about that. Cause I think that that's where I think a lot of failure started right there or, or really just that, look, nobody's coming to save you. Yeah. I forgot about that, but yeah, that's true. The, uh, the ranch was, it probably had built maybe around 10 miles of fence on the ranch and where the ranch wow. was, there's hard pan, which once you get two or three inches under the ground, it was just rock it was solid rock. And so, we had these old canvas water bags and they would, they would stay kind of wet on the outside. And so the wind would blow on them and kind of keep them kind of cool. These little old school uh, water bags. And I would have a pair of gloves. He'd drive out there on a tractor, drop me off. And I'd have a bar, pair of clamshells, gloves, and this water bag. And in central California, you know, it would be 95, 110 degrees. And with the hard pan, I'd only be able to dig you know, maybe two holes a day. And so he would drive me out there and drop me off. And, you know, and I was whatever, 11 to 11, 10, 10 years old up and he'd drop me off and he'd leave. And then he'd come back maybe three or four hours later, two, three hours later, depending if he was irrigating or working like close to where I was. And he'd come back and we'd sit there and he'd hand the water to me and I'd hand it back to him. And we'd (laughs) sit there and just kind of look at this hole because not much had been done. You know, it's like, it's like this deep now, like three hours later. And uh, he would just look at it and say, man, that sucks. Like that's, (laughs) that's a bitch. That's a real bitch. And then I'd say, yeah. And he'd put the cork in the water thing and hang it up and get his ass on the tractor and he'd leave. (laughs) And so I just, just kind of, there wasn't, there wasn't anywhere to go. There wasn't anybody coming to fix it. And knowing that it wasn't going to get fixed, like stalling didn't make it go by faster. Stalling didn't make the job easier. And so pick the bar up and and just keep going. And uh, when you do that over and over and over again, you, you know, the quitting thing, it's just, it's, it's not egotistical. It's not like, Oh, there's no quit in me. There just, there wasn't any ability to quit. And Mm -hmm. so you get, you know, it's kind of a muscle you develop. You just kind of learn like nobody's coming and it's got to get done. And um, it's not an Instagram quote. It's not a Facebook quote. It's not cool. It's just, there's just, there wasn't another option. And so it wasn't like I was tough or nothing. I just didn't have a choice. And so, but you get good at that. You know, you get a good understanding. You don't have a choice. I don't know, bro. It's not that it's not that it's not a quotable thing. I think it's absolutely, <laughs> it's absolutely a, cap, a captionable thing. It's just not sexy is really what it is. It's just it, like, it's, it, it's a part of it. I mean, in, in, when you are in the mortgage industry, there's certain things you don't want to do. I mean, there, there's certain things that are just a part of it. There's certain things that like, look, are 10 miles long of fence. There's certain things that are like, look, I'm doing this with clamshells, clamshells, not even a shovel. Uh, well, I couldn't even use clamshells. Honestly, I don't know why you'd even give them to me because it worked for a couple inches, but then, you know, you'd chip the rock and you take your gloves and you just kind of scoop out the dust that you chipped. It was, uh, it was miserable. <laughs> it was absolutely miserable. Oh my goodness. So like, okay. So like, it's literally just solid, like 
it, I'm in Wisconsin, so like we have a lot of rocks. Yeah, like the rocks like mixed with it could be clay, it could be dirt, it could be a lot of different things. You're saying there's a solid rock. Yeah, they use dynamite to put in our power poles to our house. Oh my goodness, uh, that's that's the honest truth. Dynamite. Um, wow. They had, they had three commercial augers that they broke in half, and after they did that, they just brought dynamite out to set poles up. But send eleven year old Casey out there with some clamshells. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I probably wasn't doing two a day at 11, but by the time I was 16, I was out there all day long. Wow. Well, that's incredible. And I think that, I mean, and you mentioned it today and, you know, a lot here to mention Renee, if you remember it, there's probably a story there. And what a great story, because that's really, um, you talk a lot about it in your show. Is that like, look, I'm, I'm a worker. I'm going to, you give me a goal. I'm going to go do it. And I think that a part of that stems from your early years of, you know, doing something that is really hard. I mean, and 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 without that great of a inst, it's not an instant reward. It takes a long time, and it's hard. So, um, I wanna I wanna move 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 forward to wait. Did did your mom homeschool you? Did was that? No, no. I went to school. I went to okay. school. Town. Uh, go ahead. What what was what was grade school like? Bring us to bring us to high school. Yeah, the school was the nearest town was about twelve miles away, and um, I went to school there my all the way through high school. Um, played sports, you know, soccer you and stuff like that. In high school, I, I did high school rodeo, and so you know, agriculture and rodeo was part of my upbringing as well. Um, when I graduated high school, I went to college at Fresno State, and then after Fresno, I went back to Oakdale where I started started lending. Actually started as an ag lender and then moved into residential real estate shortly after, a couple years after. What, take us back to uh, to to high school. You say you, you you had soccer, and I mean, I I think a lot of people have soccer in here. I was just telling you, I was on. I, I had uh, Brian Covey on, and he's he's a literally like a like professional soccer player. He's pretty. Right. Good. Yeah, I know Brian is. <laughs> a, lot, a, lot, a lot of us, a lot of us have played soccer before, but rodeo is cool. Like I'm sure maybe you didn't think about it at the time, but I mean, it's definitely unique and different. What, like when I picture rodeo, I picture like, okay, you're riding on a bull and like with a cowboy hat and like lassoing stuff. That's <laughs> the guy who has, it was no, no idea about it. So, so if I sound stupid, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just ignorant. But what, what was that? What, like, what'd you, what'd you do for rodeo? Uh, it's actually an event called cutting and it's where you take a horse and you go into a herd of cattle and you bring one out and you let go of the reins and then the horse keeps the, the animal from getting back to the herd and you're not allowed to, to rein the horse. Um, rodeo wasn't in, in FFA and 4-H, all those things were never anything I ever wanted to do. Like, I mean, I was raised on a ranch and I, I worked on the ranch 12 plus hours most of the time. And so doing that agriculture stuff with other kids was never anything I ever wanted to do. And uh, so, but riding cutting horses, my dad was, was a president of a couple different associations for cutting and things. And it was, it was something that was pretty enjoyable. And so I did that most, most of the way through high school. Um, and so, but I didn't do any like rough stock events or, you know, the stuff that you normally see on a, like, professional rodeo circuit. My, my dad was a professional, um, saddleback, saddle, um, bareback and, and bareback rider. Sorry. And so, you know, I grew up riding tough, tough horses, starting horses, um, ho you know, horses that were green. I would ride horses for other people, I, you know, get paid three, 400 bucks a month to get horses started. And so I did enough rough stock stuff at my house that I didn't want to go anywhere else and do it again. So, um, it was, it was a pretty rough, pretty rough childhood, honestly. You know, I'm, my back's fused, fake knees. Um, I've had multiple surgeries and a lot of it came from just kind of getting beat up growing up. Wow. Well, I mean, yeah, it seems, it seems rough. Um, so in high school, did you have a job or was your job basically what all the things you just mentioned, like riding horses for other people? I mean, it seems like it's a couple, yeah. few hundred bucks. It seems fairly lucrative back, <laughs> back in the day. I mean, right. I mean, that's probably better than any yeah. job you got. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'd come home from high school and I'd usually have a horse or two that I was riding for other ranchers or other people in town. And I would get, you know, four, $450 a month to ride a horse. So I might have a horse or two at any given time. And, and I worked all the way. I, I've always worked. So I either worked on the ranch or as I got older and drove, I worked in town or I would go to other ranchers, uh, ranches and I would help them do day work. They call it cowboy work, stuff like that. So go there and help them brand and rope and 
um, process cattle. So that was, that was a part of, that was just everyday stuff. I mean, like a lot of times I ask people, what was your first job? <laughs> your first job's cowboy work. And I mean, yeah. that is, that's tough work. My goodness. I, I mean, I don't know many <sighs> loan officers. We get this, we get kind of the, I don't know. I don't know what you'd call it, but characterization, I guess, of like, we're all a bunch of prissy people wearing our Gucci <laughs> robes. You know what I mean? But here's you, you're, here's, you know, Casey come, coming up doing cowboy work. That's just, I, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine anything harder than this. Or, or I couldn't imagine harder work. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the difference. It, it, it just was what it was. And, uh, it definitely, you know, it's in all honesty, it wasn't that romantic. It was, it was just a lot of work. So it's, you know, everything's romantic when you look back on it. Um, the only thing I miss is my dad. So the, my dad passed away a little over a year ago. And so that's, that's, that kind of sucks, but it is nice having all those memories, you know, with somebody to respect and love so much. And, and that's, you know, it's not so much the ranch and the work, but it, it, just like anything, right. It's the people that you're with. It's the people that you're with at work. It's the people that you're with at home. And that was the, my childhood afforded me the opportunity to be very close to my dad for a long time. And that, and that was the big blessing. And look at the legacy he left, you know, he got to leave you, you know, I mean, what a great, I mean, but, but truly though, I mean, that's a, that's a super that's, cool thing. That's really nice. Yeah. What, um, what was your first car? I mean, I, I had a yellow GMC step side long bed picture, a long bed step side. <laughs> I can't it was the most heinous looking thing on the planet. <laughs> and it's yellow. It was yellow. And the step was like this wide. It wasn't even one of those little cool, steps. It was one of those wide steps. Yeah. <laughs> and it said Lone Star Ranch on both doors. And uh, we would try to go to Modesto, this bigger town and cruise McHenry. Um, that's where they filmed, um, I forget, American Graffiti. And uh, so we tried to cruise in the big truck and it uh, didn't didn't pull a lot of a lot of good attention. Let's just say that. <laughs> I mean, that's just so funny, but I mean, but whatever, if you're a kid, you're cruising the streets anyway with your hoopty, whatever it is, yeah. at least you had a car, you know I mean? That's just the thing like you, but, um, but I'm sure a lot of other kids didn't have a job or weren't making any money. You probably had the most money out of anybody out of all your friends. Uh, you're, I don't remember. Just, I didn't get paid much. <laughs> um, all right. Well, take us to, uh, I guess, how'd you do in school? I guess I, I always like I generally like to answer that because I personally didn't do that well in school. I've just I've just barely graduated high school myself. Um, but it's not because I wasn't smart, it's just because I hated it. I just I didn't like school personally. How how how'd you do? I did poorly. I did poorly <laughs> in school. Okay. Well, I'm yeah. glad I opened up first. I'm glad I could say <laughs> Yeah, they're uh yeah, I, I didn't do well. We, we probably should just move on to the next one because move on to the next one. Well, that sums well, it up. Well, look, I, I guess I was quoting this. I don't know who quotes this. Maybe I think it's Elon Musk. Actually, he says that it's, it's the people that have the C averages that end up going on in life, starting companies that employ A averages. You know, they're the owner of the company. And I don't think that could be any, I, I think that it couldn't be more true. And, and I mean, there's, there's people that follow the rules and there are people that are outside of the rules. And it's not that that being outside of the rules is always good. It's a double-edged sword. Like, I mean, you're not going to get good grades. That's not great. <laughs> sure, sure. But, but you're not afraid to start a business. You're not afraid to jump, to go to a new town and be like, listen, in 90 days, I'm going to close $2 million, you know? And I think it takes somebody that isn't going to, follow the rules to, or I guess the norms. It's not necessarily the rules. It's not like you're lying, stealing and cheating. No, we're going to do this. Honestly, we're going to do it the right way, but it's still hard. And it's something that's, I, I, I guess, difficult. And uh, to kind of turn this into a question, uh, I, I, we've three times brought up Renee Rodriguez. We're going to just, this is the Renee Rodriguez show. I'm just going to say, but he, he talks about this a lot, that a lot of things that we do in our lives we're either looking to honor our past or to heal our past. And it's a lot of times something that happened between the ages of nine and 13. But for you, I think it's just your, really your childhood in general. And I see that in what you're doing right now. I, I guess here, if I'm just going to say you're, you're, we in general are looking to heal our past or honor our past. How could you relate to that? Yeah, it, you know what? We did not talk about this prior to the show, so it's really funny that you bring this up because Renee actually pinned me down at the Dang Amplify 
And he he actually hammered me on this one. He's like, he, you know, I told him, <laughs> I forget. He asked me something like about my why. And I said, man, I don't have a why. I'm just like a cheetah. I get up and I just chase stuff. And he's like, no, that's not true. <laughs> and we he got into it with me. But, um, you know, that's, that's a really interesting question. I've had other people ask me that too. I actually, Nick, I think Nick even asked me, he's like, man, your dad's dead. Like, why are you working so hard now? And I don't, you know, I, I don't know I, you know, one answer to that is I don't feel like my dad's gone. So maybe that has something to do with it. You know, maybe I, maybe I still have something that's kind of like still wanting to, you know, show my dad that I'm a hardworking guy or whatever. And then I, I can understand that, but I don't feel like, I mean, I know he's dead and I know he's gone and all that, but I don't feel like his presence is gone within me. Not like in a spiritual way, I guess, but just, I just don't feel like he's gone. Like, pretty much every Sunday when I'm walking around the house or doing something, I'm thinking, man, I wonder what my dad's doing today, wherever he is. You know what I mean? And uh, that's just kind of how it feels, I guess. And so maybe if I feel that way, maybe I'm still trying to still trying to produce good results or something. I don't know. I, you know, even, even Renee had a hard time getting a solid answer out of me. So I don't, maybe I'm not a self-reflective enough to figure that out but but i am wired to get up and you know i'm a good soldier if somebody says this has to get done i i'm pretty good at getting that you know getting those things done which which makes partner partnering with nick a really good thing because nick has an aptitude for creating things and and uh coming up with plans and just looking at things from a different metaverse kind of thing he has a different angle you know nick smokes a lot and he's uh his brain is is in places that mine isn't so i'm more of the foot soldier and um so i don't know i'm i'm, I'm pretty wired to work so well, well here nick's a one million type of guy i mean he's there's there's nobody like that guy he's just he's a very I don't want to say out there because that sounds like a, like a jab. I mean, he's in a good way. I mean, he's just, he's a unique guy. I mean, to say the least. And, um, and, and with you saying like, listen, man, I'm just a cheetah. I wake up, you know, and, and, and I chase stuff. Um, and Nick's saying, look, your dad's dead and you feel like he's, he's still there. I guess I have to ask this. I'm not, I'm not a psychologist by any means, but <laughs> I've, I've suffered through times in my life where I've, um, I've gone through grief. And the stages of grief are really messed up. I, I've struggled with myself, depression, um, bargaining. Bargaining is where like you think it's all like if I just did this, then it would be it would come back. And a big part of it's denial. Do you think that you have any sense of maybe denial that he's gone or or I guess any of that it doesn't seem like you have anything else, but maybe maybe that. No, no, I I don't feel that way at all. I really don't. Um, I, I feel, you know, I, I feel the value or I feel the work ethic that my dad had. I, I have a lot of value in that. I, I hold a lot of value in that. And I, I was on a podcast recently, or I think I forget, I was at a, uh, I was at a, um, like a conference thing and they said, Hey, you can't, you can't change somebody's identity. And I was at that moment, um, this is, this was pretty important to me. So I believe that you can't necessarily change somebody's identity, but what you can do is when you see somebody who's a certain thing and you point it out to them and put a name on it, I think you can bring that identity to life. And Nick Carpenter actually kind of did that with me when I, when I joined the Legion and I had to make it. Nick ended up telling a bunch of people in the, in the group and in the Legion, he's like, you know, Casey's the guy that if I were to partner with somebody, he's going to go out and do what I say because his work ethic's so good. He works so hard. And I think Nick overly stated that a lot, so much so that I started to even identify with it. And, you know, I already had the work ethic in me, but when he started making it like vocal and, and telling everybody else, I, I felt like also I kind of like, kind of wanted to live up to that. Like all of a sudden I have this identity of, you know, Casey's just such a great worker, <laughs> which a lot of people probably wouldn't even give a shit about. But for me, 
since my dad valued that as well, I was like, yeah, you know, I am a good worker. And, you know, there's times that I think I, you know, weigh in on that a little bit. And I'm like, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go do it because that's who I am. And I, I, I enjoy identifying with that because it's a value that my dad held very highly. So I'm not in denial that he's dead and gone. And I, I was happy the day he died. I hope I was hoping that he would die sooner because it was an absolutely miserable last few days. Um, and so him leaving was a, it was a good thing. And uh, so I don't have any denial about that, but I think it's more of an identity thing. You know, I yeah. do identify with being a hard worker. I love that. I, I thank you for that. That that's, that, that was, that's beautiful, man. I, I, I really love that. Um, I want to take, okay. So <laughs> like hard to transition that one, but I'm going to trans, I'm going to do my best to transition. Going back to college in Fresno, um, what what'd you go for? What you did you know you were gonna go to college if you did if you did poorly in school? I personally I was like, I'm not going to college. But you went to college. I mean, yeah. My, you? Yeah, I I had good SAT scores, so I got in on my SAT scores. Um, it was always just programmed that college was the next thing. So whenever I went there, I didn't know what I was gonna go for. And I think that, that was why it did poorly, is I didn't have a I didn't have a carrot to chase after. So it was pretty much, you know, beer bongs and fraternity and, you know, and doing the Elon, you always, you bring up Elon Musk and he said, you know, it's not education, you know, college isn't education or isn't, isn't needed because you can get whatever information you need off of YouTube, all of it. 100%. It's just a, a place to learn how to do your chores is what he said. And that was exactly what it was for me. I went there because it was the next step. I had homework to do. And so I did it half ass and I didn't have any, I didn't have any reason to take those classes. My last, well, my last year in school, I ended up taking a, just a ton, a ton of units. And I got great grades because I just wanted to get done and start making money. And so um, once I did have some sort of motivation, I did really well, but it was just the last year and I, you know, I barely got through it, but I, I just didn't have a reason to go. It, it, it was definitely a waste of time. I wish I'd went in the military or done something that was, um, that was better. And uh, being in the military would have been a way better experience, a way better contribution, would have grown up with more resources and tools and skills. And uh, that, that's a regret I have. Well, remorse. I mean, yeah, maybe who you are. It's a piece of it. We're talking about it right now. Um, and you got to live the college life. I'm sure at the time it was cool. I'm sure at the time it was fun. I mean, at least in an ounce. I never did it. So, I mean, I, I kind I think that if you didn't, you would say the same thing, but opposite. Like I never got to live that college life. Maybe, but but you know what? It what it. I would agree though. I, I mean, in, are you using your degree? And like, it, you know, how long did it take you to pay off the debt? And you know, I I, I agree. I don't think I don't think ninety percent of the people that go to college should. I think that if you're going to be a doctor or lawyer or astronaut, go to college. But if you're going to be, <laughs> most people sell stuff. You know, or an engineer, like go to college. Yep. Like I get it. There's certain like certain things you got to go to college. Ninety percent is an exaggeration, I, I, but most of us get up, get out and sell stuff. You know, and for sure, um, and wouldn't have been better to go out and sell something on, on, on a lower level. So okay, you get out of college, you're done with it. I'm hungry to make some money. Walk us to AG lending or agricultural lending. Oh uh, yeah, uh, you know when I got out of school again, I was I was. I was really driven to make money always, which is interesting because I went to college for four years. And when I left, I couldn't make money. And I am very wired. To, I don't care about having money, but I'm super wired to to, to try to chase it and, and, and get it. And so I think that that was a pretty obvious disconnect on how poor college is, you know, as far as giving you the tools to do that. But I, I left, uh, took a sales job uh, selling they were called our power. So it was, they're essentially burial plots. I'd go to people's house. I use this little card through the union. I'd make phone calls, say, Hey, look through the union, you get a thousand dollar life insurance policy. I just need to come by your house. And, um, I just need to have you sign for it kind of thing, but it's free. I'd get to their house and I had my little tricks and I'd say, Hey, look, you know, I you got a table. Can you grab me a pen? Can you grab a check? And so, I learned how to uh, get in people's houses and, and do some really low level sales in the beginning. And I absolutely hated it. I was, I was really good. I would get a ton of people to sign up. Um, and then the following day or the next couple of days, they'd call the home office and they'd cancel. <laughs> so <laughs> I, um, I didn't quite have the follow through, but I was quite the closer when I was little. So um, I did that. I hated it. And, and uh, 
ultimately I, I did a little fabrication work, didn't really know what to do. And then from there I went to work for an ag bank, became a loan officer. I made like 1900 bucks a month and had benefits and a car and I was making nothing and they didn't want me to do anything. They just wanted me to sit there and work on revolving lines of credit. They didn't want me to go out and get new, new business. There was no way to, to make money. The manager told me he'd been there 25 years. He still wasn't making hundred thousand dollars a year. And the second I heard that, um, I started looking around and uh, a friend of mine was doing mortgage loans. He said he worked like four hours a week and he made like $90,000 in a year. And I thought, man, if you can do that, I can do that doing eight hours a day or whatever. And so that's how I got into mortgage loans. And that was 20, 21 years ago now. And uh, I, when I went there, I hit, I hit the ground running, saw the broker. I said, well, what do I got to do? I want to make 200,000 a year. And he said, and back then we got our rate sheets on the fax machine and we drove to people's house with, a, you know, 1003, we'd fill out by hand. We'd fax yep. in our lock requests. Yep. We'd call to see if the lock got accepted before rates changed. Um, yeah, it was, it was back then. And so I, I did what the dude told me. He's like, you got to call this many people. He was from AmeriQuest. And so he was a call center guy. He's like, you make this many calls, you can get this many apps. This many, this many will say yes, this many won't qualify. And he reverse engineered it. I came there with a phone book. I dialed the phone book. I did it. And then my first, it was maybe my first nine months, I made like 150,000. So I was right on pace for like 210. And I did exactly what he said. And that was, you know, when we talked about the beginning of the show, the one other time somebody said, do this and it'll, it'll work. And that was, um, that guy told me what to do. And I came up underneath him. He showed me how to do loans the correct way and get complete 1003s and get the story and understand, you know, the whole story. And uh, that was a huge gift that I had that even today I can get a lot of loans done or help people get loans done that, you know, that most people can't. And it was just from having a good, good start. Wow. That's honestly, that's incredible because I, being in the industry for 21 years, you know this, the training in our industry is terrible. It's pretty much just like throw against the wall. You sound like you're good enough. I mean, you can pass the test, psh, we'll yeah. throw against the wall. And I mean, you had a guy that actually took you under his wing, taught you how to complete a 1003 the right way. And I mean, it doesn't surprise me with four hours, he was making 90K because he was doing it the right way. And um, and brother, I love that when you mentioned, I, it, there are, NMLS numbers are in the two millions now. I mean, if you're in the if you're in under three hundred thousand, you remember, like it it if you're in the two millions, you couldn't even imagine a fax machine at all. But brother, don't you remember that we used to literally fax everything in, and it was just like scan to email was kind of like a newer thing. But you'd get the rate sheets faxed to you, and like just before, like you'd be looking at Barry Habib's MMG. And you'd be like, I'm sending in my, you know, my lock sheet. And then like, you'd hope the confirmation comes in before the new rate sheet comes out. Yeah. And like, what a different day. What a different time. Well, especially when the rates were on one side and all the guidelines were on the other. <laughs> and then all the hits. And then like, you'd yeah. misread. Oh no, I missed this one. It's not like yeah. optimal blue where it's just all built in. And um, I mean, you have to learn the hard way. Some of those things. I, I just, I wanted to say too. So <laughs> burial plots. For, and then, so, okay, were the, were, this is literally like Glengarry, Glen Ross. It's like, were they called sits? You'd have a sit and then, and then there's the three day right of rescission. So like, no, no, they were, uh, it was called our power and it was American income life was the company. And I still think they're around, but they were, they were insurance policies for like six, eight, you know, six, eight, $9,000. And I would get a check for a hundred dollars. So I'd sell one. And I got the first month's check, which was like a hundred bucks, um, if they kept it. Um, and so I would get 10, I would make 10 appointments a day. Two wouldn't show up, two wouldn't qualify, two would say yes, two would say no. And the other two would like postpone or something. We, we had this math. And so I would sell two a day and make $200 a day. And that was in, in, in the, and then at night I would go and have to set 10 appointments for the next day. So I'd have 10 10 or eight appointments for the day because two wouldn't show up. And then I would spend three hours at night setting appointments for the following day. And uh, it, brother, when you say that dialing from the phone book doesn't sound half bad. <laughs> it, it wasn't, it wasn't. 
I, uh, I was doing all right until I went to this one lady's house and I knocked on the door. She had a pretty nice house. It was, she, she had money. And I said, yeah, I just need to come in and sign this or whatever. And I got her to the uh, dinner table and I sat there with her and she looked at me like she kind of cared for me. And she goes, I really, really feel sorry for you. And she was earnest about it. She, she goes, I don't mean this as a put down, but I'm glad I'm not you. And when she told me that I was done, I was done. It like, it stung. She had like no respect for me for what I was doing. And, and, uh, and I knew it inside. She just called me out on it and it wasn't in a derogatory way. She just recognized that I was just doing something like somebody that, that cold calls you and tries to get you to send money to Pakistan because there's a Nairobi prince for $10 million that you got to get <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> it was miserable. It was miserable. I, I still remember. I mean, the positive is, is that you at least got not afraid to talk to people. And I mean, I have to imagine that being that starting out being on a farm working blue collar type of work. I mean, it's a skill to learn how to talk to people and to be more of the salesperson type coming yeah. from a, like, like you couldn't get bluer than your collar was. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. Uh, so I want to, I want to bring us to, um, so you started AmeriQuest way back in the day and like, look, that's a long time to bring us to ticket mortgage, but, um, any, any particular interest, interesting stories before you, 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 you come to, to, to ticket mortgage. I'm sure there's a few, but I mean, that's yeah. a terrible setup to that question. <laughs> That's a terrible setup. I'm just going to kill myself right there. That was a terrible setup. But I guess, okay, what was your road to that? I mean, how many places did you work at between then and then yeah. and there? I mean, I mean, we're, we're talking financial crisis, LO comp, everything yeah. changed. If you were to look at my record, it looks like I've worked at 20 places. But the, the guy I started for, he ended up shutting down his corporation and working for a real estate company. And then they ended up changing names. And so... There's about four of my employment records that is the same guy that I followed him through some changes. Um, after about 10 years, I became a broker and I was a broker for seven, eight years uh, for myself. And then we ended up moving to Colorado. I took a little time off. I started racing drag cars, building drag cars. I took a couple of years off. I thought I was going to retire and then realized that all my kids wanted to go to school and I lost a bunch of money on race cars and I had to get back into it. And so that was where the, you know, the whole hero's journey story that I kind of pitched kind of came from because I moved to Colorado and I had a two year gap. I burned my phone. I didn't answer any phone calls and every relationship I had, everything was gone. And so when I start, even though I had a ton of experience, when I started back, I was starting fresh after being in an industry 17 years without having to restart. And so, you know, when I started, we didn't have internet so much, you know, I meant we had email and stuff, but it was, it, it, things were on the facts. And so starting business back then and starting business now, it's a different animal. Um, so that was, that was the big shift, you know, all right, now you're, you know, close to 50, you live in a new state, you have no contacts and how do you, how do you get going? And so, you know, I was going to like realtor events and trying to shake hands and, you know, one realtor's like, so what do you specialize in? I'm like, man, I've done like 4,000 loans. I don't need to specialize in shit. Like, give me a loan. I'll get it done. Like, I don't, I don't know what you need to hear, but I, I don't have these designations and stuff. Like if it's a one to four unit property, I don't, you know, government, whatever, I'll get it done. But they wanted some sort of sales pitch. And I didn't have a sales pitch. I didn't have a USP. I didn't have, you know, something to differentiate myself and add value. And so meeting Nick was was the turning point of me going, all right, you got to do it different. You need to listen to somebody. And, you know, and Nick had a program saying, you know, do these things and let's get them to come to you instead of you going to them and uh, change the hierarchy of the relationship. And when just like on a you know, on a sales call, if somebody calls you, you have a probably a 70% greater chance of closing them than if you call them, if they'll even talk to you. So getting the inbound calls and inbound messages, um, inbound Facebook messages and things, that was that was where things really turned around. I, I hosted a class. I had 22 people come to the class. And two years later, I was still working with 10 of the agents from one class. And that, that 
is what's what initiated having a really good year was was doing the attraction marketing and not not cold calling not going after people wow i really love that story especially the fact that it was literally you you burned your phone you had no more contacts yeah do you think i mean just to go to that point i feel like in a way it's kind of freeing in some ways because like i mean maybe I mean, here, if you close 4,000 loans, there's some valuable relationships that you let you, you let you let go for sure. But also like you kind of get to start over. You kind of like get to be completely new. I, I guess I'm sure you didn't, maybe you didn't view it that way or did you? No, I didn't. I needed money. There was, there was nothing sexy about it um, from my standpoint. I, you know, I had, I was running a house. I had lost a bunch of money on, on drag cars, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I thought at any moment I could get back into the game and just get going. And so I felt fine. I felt great. Like whenever I decide to go back, I will. But when I went back, it didn't work. And that's when you get the, oh shit, like maybe I screwed up. You know, maybe, maybe that break was something that I'm not going to recover from. Um, and it came to that point. I meant it came to that point so much so that I sat in a parking lot like, all right, I'm going to get my truck up like this is the last thing I can do. And I'm and I'm willing to do it. But if this doesn't work, Nick, you know, like I'm done, I'm done. And so it was a it was I'm not saying I was at the bottom emotionally, but financially and desperate. I was very much so. So. And I love how you do this. I mean, I, I look up to this. Like, I'm, I'm genuinely trying to do the exact same thing. So you have, so I love that stat too. <laughs> Which one? Well, if they call you, you're going to close oh. 70% of the time. Yeah. And then you hosted a class, 22, 32 people. I forget the number, but but you still work with 10 of them to this day. I think that's super powerful. I, I mean, why would you say that that, because here, I know a lot of people that run a real estate class. Yeah. Or do a wisdom Wednesday, a lunch and learn or whatever the heck you want to call it. There's all sorts of cheesy things that people call it, but what, and, and whatever, teach their own. People are successful doing that. I'm not knocking that. And there's enough money for everybody out there, I guess. But to me, I personally don't think that's sexy or cool, or I'd want to be a part of that in my personal opinion. And maybe that's pride. It probably is prideful if I'm just like self-reflecting a little bit on it. But I guess what about a legion of loan officers, uh, you know, event makes it special where you can say years later, these 10 people still are working with me. Yeah. I'll, I'll, if you want to know, I'll tell you what I did on that class, which made it work really well. Since I didn't have any loans to work on and I knew how to generate leads, I ended up working like eight hours a day trying to find buyers. And I actually had a handful of buyers. I had about five buyers in one month. And when I put the class together and I don't even, I don't know how I did this without violating rest or anything else, but when I put the glass together, class together, I said, I'm going to have a drawing and whoever wins the drawing in my class, I'm going to give you a buyer. And since I had been working these buyers so hard, eight hours a day, calling leads and calling them back, which sucks, but that's all I, that's all I could do. I, I ended up having, I, I knew that I could generate a buyer. So I went to the, that helped me get 22 people there because getting people to a class in itself is very difficult. It's the hardest thing. Yeah. And so since I was there showing them how to do leads in that class and saying, and, show, and the displaying like, I'm so good at this. I can just give away a buyer at will that really build a lot of credibility for me. And I was able to do that because I could run the Facebook ads. Now, Facebook ads suck in and of itself. Leads suck in and of itself. But even if it costs you $10,000 to get a lead or to get a buyer, if you can use that to host a class and get a couple relationships out of it, or 10 in my case, you know, that was that was probably a half million dollar class for me. I was able right. to take a month of grinding on the phone and convert it into half a million dollars over two years, just from the one class. And that is that is the power of, Nick calls it the Costco chicken. Costco has a chicken and it, it, they sell it for four bucks. It probably costs them six to set it out there. They lose $2, but when you go to Costco, you leave and you spend 200 bucks. You have to have something, some sort of lure that even if it costs you money, you use it to build a relationship. And that this is one of the tools like we used in Colorado Springs. And it's one of the things I teach my guys. We, you need something of value. 
to somebody else, even if it costs you to get the relationship going, because a, a real estate agent, you know, relationship with a real estate agent, a decent one is probably $60,000 a year in income. So if it costs you $10,000 to get that relationship going and you're good at what you do and you deliver and you close on time and you're good at doing loans, then it, it's worth it. It's worth it to put in that time to help that agent. Boy, I really love this. Um, that's just I hear the Costco chicken. You got to have that lure. And um, I, I, I mean, we could probably talk for an hour just about the classes that you do. Um, but I want to be super respectful of your time, Casey. I want to just um, I have a couple of questions to ask everybody. But before I go, go to those questions, I just want to bring us to was this where you were? It, you're at Ticket Mortgage at that particular point. So you basically you, you started started there and that's when you built everything. Yeah, I, I started. Once once I met Nick, I ended up um, creating another brokerage called Ticket Mortgage Inc. And so I, I did that. I was working on my daughter's bedroom. We got started, got the class. I started making a little bit of money. I got an office and uh, I kept Ticket Inc. until this last year. And then we went direct and we kept Ticket Mortgage as a DBA. And it's under uh, American Financial Network, AFN. And we did that just because we wanted to grow and we wanted the, a big company behind us. So so we were able to scale with underwriting and, and just not have the bottlenecks of trying to grow a brokerage, a large brokerage, which is super difficult. Right. hundred percent. hundred percent. That's very cool. Well, um, well, again, I want to be super respectful of your time, Casey. I, I've really loved this interview. I mean, what a <laughs> what a come up story. This is literally what the, the show is all about. And, you know, anybody listening to this, I'm sure has taken a ton of value. So, okay. So there are a couple of questions that I ask everybody. I want to make sure I get these out. So first one is this. <clears throat> Do you feel like you've ever had a big break? Like a, like a handout kind of thing, like a gift. Like a big break. Like, Hey man, there was this big, huge break and you know, this is what it was. No, no, I, I, I feel like I've met some, I, I feel like I've met some good people that I have the ability to see value in them or to, to, to trust in them. And it, and I would, I would, I, I'm going to say no, because I'm always looking for opportunity in pretty much, and in, in, in you'll see this in the show. My thing is like, when I, when I go somewhere, I talk to somebody, like I'm trying to find a way, like, is there some way I can help them? Is, is there, is there some, is there some need that they have? And my ears are really acutely attuned to listen for people's pain points. And so I think that that has developed over time. And I think that that has allowed me to have a lot of breaks because I'm looking for opportunities. I, I feel like there are opportunities around everybody every single day. And I think there's breaks available for people every single day but you have to, you have to see, see them and also seize them. You know, you have to be cognizant, like, Hey, where, you know, where's the value But Nick went to teach a class and one person came and he it turned out as the guy that knew the mayor of two towns and the dude introduced Nick to two mayors. And that is the kind of thing that when, when you're, when you need something to happen or you're looking for an opportunity, like there's every person you meet, every business you drive by it's it's everywhere and i i would say that that's that's you know my attitude towards looking for that i think has helped me find find ways to help myself but i've never i don't remember anybody just opening doors saying here i'm going to give you this branch you're walking into twenty thousand a month just run it and i've never i've never had any handouts like that but it doesn't mean that i haven't been blessed just with the people that i've come across Wow. I love that answer. That's really cool. It was long. <laughs> Sorry. That was like, no, man, I'm captioning that. That was cool. That was, that, that was such a great answer to that question. I've asked it a lot of times. So, I mean, that's, that, that really is a great, great answer. All right. Next question. If you were to do it all over again, Casey, what would you change? I, what I would do is I know who I work with really well. I have an avatar, a model of a real estate agent that I've always worked well with. And there's reasons why I, if I were to start over, I would identify that upfront so that all my messaging, all my marketing, everything I did was driven to that one specific person who I work with well. 
And that would avoid the other 90% of activities that are not going to produce or not going to produce the relationship I want. And that would allow me to work half as much and be twice as productive. And then that's my best advice for anybody in sales. Amen, man. Amen. I think we all struggle with that at some point. I think you have to make that problem, have to suffer through that to, to realize it though. I think that the value. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Was there ever a time, Casey, you felt like giving up? When I when I was in Colorado Springs and we did the show, at the end of the second month, I thought, and it, these fell out, but I ended up getting a few loans at the end of the second month that I thought was going to hit my number. And there were a couple nights when I thought, you know, I kind of hit my two million. Yeah, I hadn't yet, but I thought if these go through, like, do I really need to stay here another month when I hit my number? I'm like, maybe, and I was, I was lying to myself. I'm like, maybe that's a cool story. Like he left a month early. He didn't even have to stay three months, but that was me copping out. You know, that's what they call your bitch voice. Right. And so, um, I didn't think about it very long, but it was super miserable not being around my family and, you know, and, and not being home and my normal life. And so, um, that's, that's, at that, there were a few moments there when I thought I could, I could come up with a reason why it's okay for me to leave. And, uh, but I didn't, <laughs> but, but it was, it was definitely a prevalent thought for a couple of days. For sure, man. That's awesome. I love it. All right. So the last question to set it up, there's a young Casey out there <laughs> and, you know, maybe they're, you know, growing up, in an agricultural town, maybe they're, you know, building 10 miles of fence. Maybe they're, you know, using, you know, clamshells. Maybe they're, you know, fishing, catching frogs, you know, doing that type of stuff. Maybe they're driving a yellow GMC stepside long bed with Lone Star written on the side of it. Uh, maybe they're traveling to a new town. Maybe they're, you know, waking up every day as a cheetah, you know, trying to chase stuff. Maybe they're trying to do something incredible. What advice would you give to someone looking to get it done? I would try to get it done through people. So I would find somebody that either emulates what you want to be, has what you want to have, is running the type of business you want to run. And I would do anything you could to provide value to that person. So you could either work for them for free or you could find out, do some research on any way that you could help that person. And I would do that in combination with spend every amount of extra money that you have into your education so you can improve your skill set until until you could have a million dollars in the bank. Until you get a million dollars in the bank sitting there, I would take any extra amount of money. And I would invest in yourself with either sales training predominantly um, and you know self-awareness and some psychology and kind of understand how you tick. And I would just keep pumping money into yourself until until you have a substantial amount of of monthly income i wouldn't put any money in stocks or bitcoin or anything else because the return on your own skill set will be guaranteed and something will never get taken away from you so i'd find the person you want to be like learn from them at all costs and take anything you make and put it back into yourself and i would do that as long as you can <laughs> mic drop casey bam Wow. That's, uh, I love that brother. That was great. All right. Well, I want to thank our audience for joining us today. And I really, especially want to thank Casey for coming on the show and, and Casey, if, if someone was looking to uh, check out your show or they'd want to connect with you, what would the, be the best way for them to do so? Yeah. If you go to reloloshow.com, so relo, like relocating loan officer, R-E-L-O-L-O, Relo LO, yeah, Relo LO show.com. You can watch the six episodes. It is very good, by the way. Um, it's entertaining. It's, you know, docuseries slash reality TV. I'm a I fan. Say- I really, I'm a fan. I really, I, I, it's very well produced. It's very well put to, I, I, yeah. there's not another loan officer, uh, loan officer show like it for sure. I, I, I love yeah. it. I enjoyed it. 
Anyway, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. On the show, all kinds of stuff. It's it's uh, it gets pretty entertaining. <laughs> so there's that, and then on Instagram, you can catch me at Relo Lo Show. Also, so Relo Lo Show. Wonderful. And um, and look, we'll put a we'll put a link to that in the uh, podcast description. So. All right. This has been the Get It Done podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And if you've uh, taken some value from today's show and you want to support us, you know, write us a five-star review. Hit that subscribe button. Tell a friend. You know, and hey, open up Apple Podcasts. Maybe scroll the way down to the bottom. Tap that five-star. That'd be really awesome of you. It just takes like, you know, I don't know, 10 seconds. So just go ahead and do that. Uh, But anyway, all those things make a huge difference in helping us reach more people. Once again, I am Jimmy Ryan. This has been the Get It Done Podcast. Thanks so much for